podcast this week. Rejoice! Rejoice! Because Freaky is finally here, which means we finally get to talk to the stars of that movie, Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. I thought this day would never come. Plus, the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that right now has burly men in helmets banging relentlessly just outside my window. And so first of all, we'd like to apologize for any noise that may seep into your headphones. And second of all, it does seem as if Helen's slash fiction has erupted into the real world Jumanji (laughs) style. Mmm, interesting. Warrants further investigation. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week brought to you in Dolby Surround Sound. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, this week we're joined by two colleagues, just two colleagues of such lethal cunning. We're joined, of course, as ever, by Geek Queen. I didn't mean to say that so weirdly. It was. It sounded like resignation. It was Did like, it? oh, she's Weary back resignation. again. <laughs> I've been trying to like clear the pod booth, virtually speaking, and like she keeps getting in. Yeah, the signer of hellish NDAs. It is, of course, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. How are you? I can neither confirm nor deny that that's my name. <laughs> my God, how bad was that NDA? I mean, don't it tell, was. Don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm can't. not. I'm not going to look. I, I, I'm, I am not going to comment on it. And there has been speculation on on Twitter about what film I was signing this in relation to, which I have not commented on at all. Um, but but it is. It was. It was just genuinely hilarious, and it makes me want to call up the lawyer who wrote it and go, "Dude, maybe just cut back on the caffeine just a little bit." I feel like you know, maybe some yoga or a run in the morning mm-hmm. or just something, you know, to kind of get all of this aggression out before you hit the office and and draft yeah. crazy, crazy documents. Like, can an NDA really legally lay claim to your immortal soul? Because I'm not sure that's binding. I mean, that's what it said. And apparently something about my firstborn children and, you know, also my pets. I mean, I don't even have any of either, but if I did, I'd be worried for them. Will they come after my plants? I don't know. So you're going to be calling, who is it you're going to be calling? Is it Dewey, Cheatham or Howe? Which one is responsible (laughs) for this? Um, It's Jaggers, if you remember the Charles Dickens book, Great Expectations. Who doesn't remember that? Who doesn't? And yes, this is a joke I've nicked from Hot Shots. It wasn't what I hoped. <laughs> anyway, you've already heard him because he rides roughshod over the very concept of waiting to be introduced <laughs> before speaking. He is, of course, our GBFN, our great big fucking nerd, James Dyer. Hello, James. Hello, Christopher. How are you? How are you? Oh, see, we're in sync. We're not in sync. That would be very different. We're in sync. Which one would I be? I'd be the I'd be the fat one from in sync. I can't name anyone from in sync. Um, it's Justin Timberlake. Was that that was that was in sync, wasn't it? I don't know. My boy band knowledge is pretty yes, low. Justin Timberlake was in sync. Yeah. Okay, was in in sync. He was in sync. Yeah, yeah. Right. Fine. But there's the other ones, right? Lance Bass. What? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Joey, I want to say Fatoni. Fatoni is, Fatone. I believe, correct. Is it Fatone no, I believe or Fatone? it's. I, I believe it's Fatoni. How All do right. you know the names of the members of that's NSYNC? That's the entire number of names that I know, and that's only three out of five. So, Because Lance wow. Bass went into space. Mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake became famous and made a couple of great albums, but was also a little bit sexist in some of his dealings. And, Sorry, um, you're going to have to go back there. Sorry, Lance Bass did what? Didn't he go into space? I'm pretty sure he went on a flight to space. I'm going to look this up now. I don't think that's libelous to say he went into space, but I'm just going to No, it's not libelous to say, you know, we, 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 we had a very, very strong... 
don't libel anyone chat before we started recording this, but I don't think saying that someone's gone into space is libelous because that's really cool. And you'd oh. want to be going into space. Wait, he was going to go into space and it sounds like maybe he was kicked off at the last minute. I mean, Helen, we were all going to go into space. We just <laughs> haven't. No, he, he moved to Star City in Russia and was trying to get a seat in a Soyuz space capsule and was certified right. by NASA and the Russian space program and went through several mm-hmm. months of cosmonaut training. Of course and he did. then his financial sponsors dropped out and so he was What do you mean his financial? How much money does he need? He's Lance It was going to be like 20 bass. I seem to remember it being like 20 million dollars or something. Hey, that's that's walking around money for a member of InSync, surely, isn't it? I, I I mean that seems like still quite a lot of money I think to any human apart from like Jeff Bezos. James, how much money do you have to walk around? Oh, it's certainly enough to go for cosmonaut training and go into space. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I don't carry cash. See, I, w- I was hoping I was googling NSYNC songs to see if I could come up with some excellently relevant pun title, but I don't know any of them. Oh, girlfriend, any, so. pop. Um, these are great, how great do you songs. Know these things. I know like two songs. Again, this is not being an NSYNC Yeah. See, that is where I'm going wrong. Yeah. Oh, and bye, bye, bye. Oh, who who can forget? It's going to be bye. May. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, before we do that thing on a podcast where we just get bogged down in small talk and an endless circle of small talk and we don't actually talk about the matter at hand, which is, of course, movies. Let's actually talk about movies. Let's do that. Let's, let's pivot quickly to talk about movies. And so in case you don't know what I was referring to when I introduced Helen, Helen signed a scary NDA this week. Did you sign it? Yeah. And you said you, you took to Twitter to complain about how... What's the word? Draconian. Evil. Draconian. The fact that it was penned by Vigo the Carpathian. Yes. All of these things. Well, I mean, the fact that they demanded that I sign in blood was a bit of a surprise, to be perfectly honest. Your blood um, or someone else's? Well, gee, I wish I'd known I could have used somebody else's blood. That would have been useful information. Be like ah. James. Always keep a steady supply of someone else's blood on hand. <laughs> Sometimes it's not even for NDA purposes. <laughs> um, no, right. So, yes, I was, I was asked to sign an embargo uh, for a film for reasons that will remain obscure. Um, Not for reasons that will remain obscure. Yes. We homed in and, on its beacon. <laughs> uh, and, and I just I, I just find the terms uh, hilarious, like hilariously over, overwrought. And and yeah, you know, like I said on Twitter as well, I, I just I just feel like the lawyer who who drafted it needs to sit down and just take a breath and smell the roses and, and just like remember what it felt like to be human and mm. consider that the kind of people who are going to have access to film materials early are probably the kind of people who are passionate about film and mm. who are not going to be trying to spoil it for everyone. Yeah, I love this. I love you the, know? the, uh, the again, draconian, censorious uh, measures that are taken uh, to stop us going in to see films. It's ridiculous. It's like, I, I do, uh, believe it or not, I am a professional and I do this for a living and I'm not going to jeopardise that living by filming a movie yeah. with no, my right? camera well, and I, sticking I mean, it up online. But we had this this week. Like, we won't see Black Widow this week and uh, we? I can, can we probably say, say I, I don't know if we can even say, uh, but, but lots of people have seen Black Widow, so I think it's fine. And like, there were guards on either side of the room walking up and down, which was, I have to be honest, quite distracting were and then Hydra? staring at us. They were Hydra. They may well have been Hydra, yes. Just to see if we were secretly pirating the film. I mean, I have less of a problem with that to be honest because that's usually unless you're sitting by the aisle less intrusive they knew all of us um, by name <laughs> but it is i mean yeah it is it is still ridiculous just because you know again you either trust people to give them early access or or you don't and you know that would be fine if you don't trust anybody and you don't want anyone to see your film before release obviously that would kind of suck but i would at least understand it but it's this kind of double standard of oh we trust you enough to show you the film but not enough to 
not ask you to sign away your rights to incalculable damages in perpetuity. So said incalculable damages. Incalculable that damages. Seem like a legally binding term. Doesn't does it? No. Anyway, should we um, should we should we test the boundaries of these things? No, and just film a movie one day and stick it Absolutely up online and see not. what happens. Well, Tom Cruise did it, so you know. Yeah, if Tom, if you know, if Tom Cruise can get away with it, then so can we. It's absolutely not. Just as your lawyer, just no, 100% no. We have never filmed a film. In fact, as far as I know, no journalist has ever pirated a film in a screening, ever. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple of leaks from award voters, but there has never, to my knowledge, been one from a film journalist. But, you know, so be it. So be it. So we're not, we're not doing it. We're not going to film a movie and stick it up on the, on the internet. We are not doing that, correct. Okay, Helen, I understand entirely what you're saying. Wink. Wink. No, no winking. No winking. Stop no winking. winking. All right. No winking. Okay. You're always telling me that. So um, here's the thing, though. Because Helen only recently signed the NDA, I know the identity of the film that she signed the NDA for. But don't worry, folks. Don't worry, folks. I'm not going to blow it all up. I'm not going to say what the film is. Because what do you think I am? Part of some suicide squad? I mean, if they caught me, for example, I wouldn't want to spend my last night in Soho. You're just going to reel off every film, the film out before the end of the year, aren't you? No, because if they catch me, I will no longer be a free guy, right? Oh, Am I right? No? All right, so time to barrel straight into the listener question section because there is no three-fact structure this week. Hurrah! Hooray! Hooray. Uh, Let me just because- queue up Ode to Joy. <laughs> Helen and James have conspired to incapacitate whoever was scheduled for the fourth chair. May what? they rest uh, uh, in peace. Uh. I mean, not maybe rest in peace because obviously they're not dead, right, guys? You made sure not just no. you just just the legs. A little light maiming. Yeah. Just yeah. a light maiming before supper. Uh, so this question comes from at Hamish Dwyer via Twitter. And uh, he says, in line with Michael Keaton's return to the cape and cowl, what are some of Team Empire's favorite legacy performances where actors have returned to roles they previously made famous. Okay, so once again, should we lay down some ground rules? Shall we establish some parameters for this? I'm saying there's got to be a decent gap between performances. How long are we saying? At least 10 years. Yeah, at least a decade. That seems fair. At least a decade. And obviously that rules out the MCU. Unless, of course, folks, you're talking about William Hurt as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Damn it, no, only eight no, years. No, it's not quite an only, it's oh, not, I was like, no, that doesn't work. Also, wasn't he in Civil War? He was in War? Civil War. He was in Civil yeah. War. He came back in Civil War. He was in the Incredible Hulk. He came back for Civil War. Mm. But I have a sneaking suspicion that the MCU is going to be unloading some legacy performances on us pretty mm-hmm. soon, if you know what I mean. Are you referring to the Shang-Chi trailer? Partially, actually, <laughs> yes. And that one would qualify... But no one's going to say that's their favourite legacy performance. Um, Are you kidding me? So should we explain what we're talking about here? So in the final trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which debuted last week, there is a scene in which it appears, and in fact it isn't just that it appears, it's been confirmed by Kevin Feige himself, that for reasons unknown... Passing understanding, I think is the phrase you're looking for. Yes, indeed. And James, once again, has missed an Aliens quote, and I'm very disappointed in him. Yes, Uh, not for reasons unknown. But still, for some reason, in the trailer, there is a cage fight between Wong from Doctor Strange and the Abomination from The Incredible Hulk, who was last seen, of course, being pulverised in Harlem 
by the Hulk all the way back in 2008, played ostensibly by Tim Roth. Now, does that mean that Tim Roth, who we know is coming back as the character, as Emil Blonsky, as the Abomination, one of my favourite Hulk villains, he's coming back in She-Hulk, the Disney Plus show. So is this the prelude to that? But is this Tim Roth? Have they put Tim Roth in the mocap suit? You know, Mr. Pink with dots over his face? Presumably one scene, yeah. Yeah, or is there more to this? I was thinking about this, actually, why this is in Shang-Chi, for one thing. And I think it's because Shang-Chi doesn't have a great comic book legacy. I think it's very fair to say that. And so I would argue more than any other adaptation of any other character, this is a blank slate. They can go wherever they want. They can do whatever they want. And so if they want to have a cage fight between... (laughs) <laughs> the abomination and Wong. I'm fascinated to see how they justify that and how they explain that, but they can do that. They can go mm. wherever. You know, Wong is a very mysterious guy. And, you know, it would not surprise me to know that in between listening to Beyonce and getting Doctor Strange to buy him sandwiches, <laughs> he was going out and, you know, blowing off some steam, fighting mm-hmm. monsters in a cage, you know. Maybe this is how he earns the money to buy those sandwiches. He was so embarrassed and humiliated by the fact that That's he had it. to ask mm-hmm. Doctor Strange to buy him a, a tuna melt in Infinity War that he yeah. is now found to become a cage fighter. Uh, so he could make I a mean, it makes cash. perfect sense. Head <laughs> yeah. cannon accepted. <laughs> so yeah, Tim Roth. Tim Roth loves some broth and he will be back in presumably Shang-Chi and also She-Hulk. And that, therefore, automatically is my favourite legacy performance. Not, we haven't even seen it yet, so no. <laughs> but let's let's be serious here, kids. Come on. At least 10 years between performances. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we're past the, the statute of limitations on post-credit sting spoilers for Wonder Woman 1984. If not, skip ahead a couple of minutes. But post-credits, Wonder Woman, 1984, Linda freaking Carter. (laughs) She's a very important part of my childhood. You don't get to say no. No, mm-hmm. nothing about that film can ever be considered anyone's favourite anything. That is an official rule of this podcast, I'm sorry. No, it is not. That is your rule, and you can go over there and be wrong with your rule. Uh, Linda Carter, <laughs> looking fan-fucking-tastic in a blue cape, can do whatever the hell she wants. Uh-huh. She's amazing. Yeah. Is is that your favourite, or is that just one that sprung to it, mind recently? It was literally the first one that sprang to mind, just because like, I genuinely welled up. Like, I was genuinely quite... Oh, touched by it. James had gone by that point. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I bludgeoned myself to death. But... <laughs> no, but like, basically, right, when I was little, there were not very many, you know, female role models for me. Yeah. So if if you were, it was Princess Leia, who's another answer. It was Princess Leia and it Marcus was... Thatcher. Christ, no. Um, and it was, it was Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. That was all I had. And like, I, to the point where I would go into play school... And I used to apparently, my parents say, I would come home and complain that the boys built guns out of Lego. And that was fine by me because I would cross my wrists and spin around so the bullets would bounce off me because I'd seen Linda Carter do it. You do realise you like crossing your wrists and spinning around is kind of not how Look, it does it. I was four, okay? I get to decide whatever the hell I want works. Um, anyway, and I was slightly offended that the boys didn't always accept my reasoning that the bullets hadn't hit me and I didn't have to play dead. Um, yeah, that's a but, big that's a big thing of playing cops and robbers or whatever it was you were playing mm. back then. Obviously, cops and Wonder Womans, Wonder mm. Womans, Wonder Women. I guess. Um, <laughs> what is the plural for a Wonder Woman? And 
Yeah, but that's the thing. When you're a kid, you, you would mm. do that, that thing of, and obviously the Empire Podcast does not condone imaginary violence, folks, but you would do that thing of, you would point <laughs> your imaginary gun straight at someone mm. and shoot them and they go, didn't hit me. It's like, it's impossible. It definitely it's, hit. I, I point blank range. Yeah. People, my Lego gun was pointed right at your torso. <laughs> yeah. Double tap, center mass, <laughs> no yeah. argument. I'm even holding my imaginary gun sideways. Come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, that's a good one. James, I'm going to accept that one. And your mithering and misery be damned. Depends. Not even here. How are we talking about that film? All right, fine. Let's go on with something else. Um, favorite ones. Favorite ones. Uh, you two will not appreciate it, but I was very. Ex- in fact, I'm not sure this qualifies. I was going to say Spock in JJ uh, from Star Trek, but actually, oh, I'm yeah. not sure that quite. Does that timeline? Does that so work? That's got to be ten years. Yes, yeah, yeah. more than ten years. Yeah. Between between Undiscovered Country and oh, hang on, was he on Next Gen? He was on Next Gen in Reunification, yes. What year was that? Yeah, Next Generation finished in the early 90s. So, and JJ was until 2009, so yeah. you're totally fine. All right, I will accept Leonard Nimoy. Yes, okay, Leonard Nimoy, that's, that's one. Uh, who else am I thinking? What was, the, what was the gap between Godfathers 2 and 3? Oh, uh, it was 26 years. Yeah, that's a big hard one. And I know Godfather Part 3 gets a lot of shit, but I really like it. And I enjoyed mm. his uh, his his take on the character as he got older so that's that's I was not what I wanted (laughs) exactly from that movie Uh, (laughs) yeah Um, any and all of Harrison Ford's uh, (laughs) reprise roles you know Indy Deckard Solo take your pick uh, I always I like all of those because the gap the gap of course between him playing Indy for the last time in The Last Crusade and Indy 4 when it comes out next year mm. is going to be <laughs> that's a really long it? time yeah. it's 30 is that 32 years 32 years between Last Crusade and the fourth Indiana Jones movie 33 you haven't seen India at any point 89? since then yeah so. yeah yeah, that's uh, that's a while. Uh, but uh, Peter Peter Cullen, uh, Peter Cullen, who uh, did the voice of Optimus Prime. So that was nice to see okay. him when he yeah, came yeah, back yeah. In, in Michael Bay's movie. That's the one good thing about that. Oh, there's Optimus Prime news this week as well, so we can get Is Optimus there? Primal news. Helen. Primal Optimus news. Primal yes. news. Yes. All right, come on. Let's 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 keep okay. things nice and delineated. We don't okay, want to sure. like Not be completely an- anarchic yeah. here. We've already talked about the Shang-Chi trailer in the listener question bit. That's if we true. talk about mm-hmm. other movie news, mm-hmm. then it's cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, mass and hysteria. nobody wants that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, Anthony Perkins for this one. Psycho 2 gets a lot of shit, but uh, Psycho 2 is really good. It has one of the drawbacks, of course, is that it's the sequel to Psycho, one of the greatest movies ever made. And so it's mm-hmm. always been somewhat judged by some. But and, and, you know, I think in the horror community, it's been, it's had, you know, it's been always been appreciated. It's a very good Hitchcockian thriller. And Anthony Perkins is legit good in that, as is Fira Miles uh, as well. And that was 22 years, 22 years between Psycho and Psycho 2. Are we counting things like... You know, in terms of Oscar-winning performances, for example, Michael Douglas returned to Gordon Gecko, and there was a, a at least a twenty-year gap, I'd say, between yeah. Wall Street and Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. But we're not really talking about that, are we? For obvious never. reasons. Paul Newman. Yes, Paul Newman. Color of Money and The Hustler. Mm-hmm. Not in that order, obviously. The yeah. reverse order of that. I think it's a nineteen-year gap, something like that, in in, yeah. in in that one. But yeah, and he won the Oscar. For, for the, the reprise. So, yeah, that is a cracking choice. Rocky over Rambo. Yeah. Rambo, I can, you know, leave. Always, always Rocky over Rambo. I'd uh, want to give Arnold a nod for the, uh, a nod for the T-800, but I 
just no, can't do those, it. Those weren't all great. And and look, I know it gets a lot of shit, but I did. I was actually moved by seeing the Ghostbusters in Ghostbusters. Even the the Harold Ramis little the bust uh, in the corridor, I thought was a lovely little touch. And seeing I, them all I, gradually turn up through the film, I know people hate it. Disqualified because they don't play the same characters. Uh, <laughs> I know. Or the Harold Ramis might be playing the same character. Well, but, he might you know, be. Yeah. Okay, then Harold Ramis is my answer. <laughs> Pedantry gonna get you. Pedantry gonna get you. But but, uh, but I mean, we we haven't talked enough about Star Wars. But like seeing General Le- Leia back was yeah. I think huge. I think seeing those characters come back in the two sequel movies for mm. Star Wars was, uh, was was great. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed aspects of that uh, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna say Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca mm. in The Force Awakens because he's the best Star Wars character, and that is objective. I'm going to go full James in this one. That is objectively the truth. And he is legitimately in The Force Awakens for at least a scene. Still counts. Anything else? Any more for any more? Uh, we should maybe, I don't know, do we mention Tron Legacy? Mm. Eh, no. no. I mean, look, I'm always happy to see Jeff Bridges, but I think that's more Jeff Bridges. And or Bruce less... Boxleiter. Fl- I mean, oh, Helen, blue, the Brian. Bad Sock fan in there has got to have been pretty uh, psyched to see Sheridan back. Of course I was. You know I was. However, I'd be more excited to see him back at Sheridan. Like, bring yeah. me a Babylon 5 film, then we're talking. Babylon 5's a big pile of shit. Um, Isn't that getting tired yet? No, no it's not. <laughs> I'll let you know when it is, though. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, yeah, what is it about these legacy performances that that attracts people and grabs people? Is it the fact money. that, you know, they get to be, yes, money no. for the actors, perhaps, James, perhaps. <laughs> but is it also the fact that, you know, I, I love the idea that actors get to explore characters in their twilight years that they mm. exp- that well, they may be see, played. I've, I've, well, I've long wanted to see, for example, one last outing for Harry Callahan. I, I, I would love to have seen one last Dirty Harry movie, but I mean, sadly, Reno came close, I feel like. Yeah. Came close, came close but yeah. I, I i was quite disappointed to to read when the julie delphi saying that she'd passed on a fourth before movie because i do think there's something just brilliant about yeah. the way those have been sort of nine years apart telling the story of these two people i love those films in fairness it wasn't quite that she passed on it it was more that she said they collectively didn't have the concept for it at this point it wasn't that she was all like, no, I will not return. It was more like, well, what are we what are we doing, guys? Do we have a pl- plan? And I think it was a collective agreement. I think she was just the really? one who talked oh, so about it. I read the thing she was saying, because she was saying she was having difficulty getting her films made. And she was mm. quite cross about that. And the I just, it was just a quote sort of taken out of context. But I read her saying that, you know, when they talked about doing another before film, she was just like, no, because I can't get this made. I will not do that. But, oh, uh, I got the impression maybe, it was very much a, we're not sure what we want to say at this I'm point. I'm still holding out for it. I'm still holding oh, out yeah, be still great. for that, for Celine and Jesse to come back one last time uh, and, and, and show me what's going on there. This is all making me think Ariana Grande. Every time we use the phrase one last time, it's... Anyway, look, when it's done really well, I think that these give you a sort of sense of certainly nostalgia. I mean, some and sometimes cheap nostalgia, but I think when it's done well, mm. it gives you that kind of warm glow of reuniting with someone that you cared about frankly you know even though they may be imaginary but seeing Spock 30 years on was really moving actually and sort of seeing that character talk about his relationship with James Kirk to his younger self I thought that was brilliantly brilliantly done Mm -hmm. and it was really Mm -hmm. moving Um, and that's the kind of time when it works 
best. And and similarly, I thought elements of the Star Wars sequels did manage to find those moments that you really care about with those characters. The moment between Luke and Leia in Last Jedi is just, it's really quick, but it's it just has it all there and it just feels real between them. And it, I just loved yeah. it. Yeah. It's everything. Han and Chewie, we're home. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's everything I wanted from Force Awakens, but didn't get. But that's just yeah. me. I know I know many people feel very, very fondly about The Force Awakens. I and know. I love Last Jedi. And those two sequel films worked as a perfect duology, which which just completely capped off that saga, which was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, But let's just, uh, let's just bring it back very, very quickly to the example that inspired the question, which is Michael Keaton as mm. Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, he is in The Flash. He has been sighted on the streets of London shooting scenes uh, with a lovely shock of greyish white hair. And by the time that movie comes out, it's going to be a bit like Harrison Ford with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade to Indiana Jones and whatever the hell it is that they're going to be calling it. Uh, It's going to be a 33-year gap, 1989 to 2022, by the time Michael Keaton reprises that role. Um, I'm very excited about it no i've mm. of course i've completely forgotten batman returns uh but that only reduces the gap to 30 years yeah so uh, 31 right it was 1991 i thought it was 1992 batman returns oh, maybe mm. but uh someone will tell us no doubt uh which whoever is wrong we will be corrected on twitter but are you excited about michael keaton yeah he is my favorite live action batman as you know um so uh, it is oh yeah 92 so it is uh, going to be fun to see I him back. Check. I knew you would check. <laughs> of course. That's what the internet oh. is for. Anywho, anywho, Helen, anywho, you were saying. Anywho. Yeah, Michael Keaton is my favourite live-action Batman. And I think he... I, I think an older version of his Batman will be really interesting. You know, I think a Christian Bale Batman 20 years later would just be a bit miserable and down in the mouth. Whereas Michael Keaton had enough... Uh, quirk is an overused word, but it, he was quirky and I think he he was one of those characters who's like I'm aware I'm not normal and I'm kind of okay with that and I'm kind of leaning into it and I sort of loved that about his Batman so yeah so I'm kind of intrigued and excited to see what he does with that character 30 years on because I think that Mm. is interesting in a way that just the 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 much more serious Batman might not be as much mm. with all respect to those performances which were yes, great but you know course. i'm not sure they have the same potential for change maybe no i agree uh also heavy rumors of ben affleck's batman is in this film as well mm. exciting and of course marvel looked like they're going to get there first mm. with spider-man no way home now again nothing's been confirmed but there again there are strong 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 rumors to the point where if it doesn't happen i would be astonished <laughs> that we're going to get uh, and maybe if you don't want to know skip the next two minutes but that we're going to get in this movie (laughs) this is wild we're going to get Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus Mm. who's talked about being in the film (laughs) by the way we're going to get Willem Dafoe back as Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin the big one of course is Jamie Foxx as Electro (laughs) Uh, and we're going to get potentially both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming back as their Peter Parker's. Peter's Parker is the... the sorry, the Peter's <laughs> Parker. Um, I, I'm tremendously excited about this, if if it happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, Andrew Garfield has denied it to the extent that we can rely on the denials uh, it, of actors in these situations. Yeah, to the point where it was almost a confirmation. He, he denied it so famously, he might as well have been nodding his head <laughs> and winking at the camera. I mean, 
what what denial would you have accepted as a denial? That was a pretty comprehensive denial. Just a kind of like, no, no, haven't really heard anything about that. But, you know, it's, it's certainly interesting. But he was so vociferous yes. in his like... Incalculable damages, Helen. <laughs> Incalculable damages. Methinks the actor doth protest too much. Is that it? I see. He's uh-huh. terrified of the NDA that he has signed. <laughs> Spider-Man NDA way home. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Listen, they might not be in it. or If they are in it, it might just be archive footage. Mm. Who knows? But if if they are, then I'm going to be very very keen to see how they they fit in and see how they've those characters have progressed and aged and yeah. if indeed they have, you know, we'll we'll see. You can do all sorts of freaky things these days with computers, can't you? Freaky comes later, Chris. We'll talk. Freaky about that comes later. later, much much later indeed. Because on that note, that is it for this week's listener question. If you want to have your question read out in the Emperor Podcast, as Hamish Dwyer, a.k.a. the Flanders Pigeon Murderer. <gasps> murderer. He uh, he found out to his cost. You can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Hewitt. Slide into my DMs or reply to any of my tweets. And who knows, you might get your question read out on the Empire Podcast and treat it with the respect it and you deserve. Okay, time now for movie news. I mean, we've already talked about all the movie news, presumably. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And mm. that other story. But what else is going on in the world of the movies? Well, as Helen alluded to earlier, Ron Perlman is going to voice Optimus Primal in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Now, I don't really know who Optimus Primal is, and I don't know who the <laughs> Beastatrons or whatever they are. I'm not really au fait with the sort of latter Transformers incarnations. But Helen, I'm sure, is. So, Helen, tell us all this about uh, Optimus Primal, please. Sure. I'm very, very, very clued up on them. Absolutely, you're 100%. You're a Terracon or a Maximal. Am I? Or, okay. I Do that thing where you quickly re-skim read something like Johnny Five and then you know all the information <laughs> and then you can just regurgitate it. I always it. think she's more like Kim Basinger in uh, My Stepmother is an Alien, you know, when she just lays her arm in the book and absorbs all the words. <laughs> so anyway, Optimus Primal, as we are all extremely familiar, uh, sure. is the leader of the Maximals, which <laughs> is not a kind of sanitary towel. Uh, he's a brave and honourable warrior. <laughs> we are soft, strong and very absorbent. No, wait, that's toilet roll. He's a brave and honourable warrior and the captain of the spaceship Axelon. And his beast mode, which wow. we know that Perlman totally has, is in this case a powerful gorilla. So Ron Perlman has actually already voiced the character in the animated series Transformers Power of the Primes, but uh, will now be voicing it on screen as well. But fear not, Amon Warman of this parish had a little bit of a near panic attack when he saw that Perlman was voicing Optimus Primal because he was he was like, no, it is Peter Cullen. Peter, Peter Cullen. Cullen does Optimus Prime. <laughs> this is not acceptable. And then accepted that, okay, in this incarnation, at least they are completely different characters and um, that's okay. So anyway, yes, he is going to be in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. There's just one thing I didn't understand. Okay. The thing I didn't understand is every motherfucking word you just said. What? He's the leader of the Maximals and the captain of the Axelon. What? Where do the Predacons and the Terracons fit into this, Helen? Oh, I mean, look, I could tell you, but I'd need spreadsheets and some kind of whiteboard I and some see. markers. I see, no spoilers, right? Totally, I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know. <laughs> Did you guys watch the Many Saints of Newark trailer, which dropped this week? No, not yet. Should I? I mean, if you're a Sopranos fan, definitely. I, I enjoyed this. I'm still not sure what, or more importantly, why this film is, but I'm quite glad that it is. Uh, and I will say, like, looking at this, like, Michael Gandolfini is 
unbelievably like his father playing a young Tony Soprano. I'm fascinated to see him on screen doing that because it's not just that he looks like his dad, but he's got the vocal mannerisms down absolutely perfectly. Mm. But yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, it's great. David Chase is doing this. It's directed by Alan Taylor and it is a prequel to The Sopranos, if you don't already know. Uh, and it charts the riots in Newark in the insert year that I don't actually know here. Is it 68? <laughs> I want to say it. But sure, why not, Helen? It's, I, mean, yeah. I don't know, I would, the Maximals were not that. around, I know that, but uh, that's, that's, that's the limit of my history here. Um, but yeah, it, lo- it looked really good. I, was, I really want to see this. And obviously you've got the, the Sopranos theme at the end as well, just going to drag you in. Just a studio's way of saying, hey, hey, remember that TV show you loved? This is part of that, even though it doesn't look like it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, some people have been talking about this, that the timeline doesn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Apparently Tony would have been eight years old at this time rather than 19. But I don't know. David Chase is going to fudge it somehow. But listen, I'm 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 not a huge fan of The Sopranos because I'm obviously an idiot, uh, but never quite connected with me, uh, really? despite having you all the ingredients. Me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's got all the ingredients that I normally would love, but I just I, I just I found it really difficult to get into. But I'm still very, very excited about this. Great cast, great pedigree. Mm. And of course, I am there for any movie made by the guy who directed Thor The Dark World, Alan Taylor. And... You know, it just looks really interesting. But having said that, I almost instantly regret it watching the trailer because it seems full of spoilers. As indeed, if you are in the States this week, you could actually watch the new Steven Soderbergh film, No Sudden Move, which has an incredible cast. Don Cheadle. If you could put Don Cheadle in your movie, put Don Cheadle in your movie. Benicio Del Toro, just incredible, incredible cast written by Ed Solomon. Uh, Apparently, it's very, very, very good. Uh, It's not out here for a little while. In the UK, but uh, don't, I beseech you, don't look at the trailer because it's full of spoilers, but it looks fantastic. I had, it's one of those ones where I had to stop like a minute in. Same thing with Halloween Kills, the trailer mm-hmm. for Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. which came out last week. I'm not sure if we talked about it in last week's show or not, but that just seems just laden with spoilers. Like pretty much, I'm sure they haven't given away every major kill but it feels that way. And so again, I had to like throw my phone into the Thames like a minute in. It's a very expensive <laughs> habit, but I had to do it. I had to make that, that, that sort of statement. I don't think, I feel like there are other ways to make a statement, Chris. You know, like some kind of, maybe you could stamp your foot. God damn it, Helen. Now I've got to throw another phone into the Thames. Oh, I can claim it back, right? You really can't, no. Damn As it. your lawyer, no. Okay. Uh, any other trailers that were catching your eye this week? Well, I mean, there was the Sing 2 trailer, which looked very much like the first one. Silly, but fun. I watched the trailer for The Duke, uh, the Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren one, which looks really quite charming, actually, uh, in a sort of, you know, something you can take your granny to kind of a way. I think it'll be really nice um, and quite fun. And it looks like it's, I, I read up on the true story it's based on, and it is bananas. So I'm quite looking forward to that now. It's about basically uh, a guy who stole the Goya portrait of the Duke of Wellington from the National Gallery in London and Mm -hmm. like had it for ages, not for personal gain, just to make a statement. Bananas. And did what with it? Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers. Basically, I was trying to avoid too much. Oh, okay. So so you're going to go full actor adjunct and go, well, if you want to find out, (laughs) I'm afraid you're going to have to watch the movie. You, you can Google it very, very easily. But um, but no, the, the, real, the real story of what happened is fascinating. There you go. Exciting stuff. The mm. Duke coming your way. Some other exciting news. So Patty Jenkins' Star Wars mm. Rogue Squadron has got a writer 
And it oh, is yeah. Matthew Robinson. Tell us more. Well, Helen, if you'll just wait for the page to load, I will tell you more. <laughs> so he is the writer of The Invention of Line, Ricky Gervais' The Invention of Line, which well, is not a movie I got on well with. And no. in fact, it's not a movie that anyone got on well with, I think. True. But then he wrote Love and Monsters, which came out on Netflix a few months ago, and which we, and or sorry, I, really loved. Yeah, that yes. was really fun. And he's working on the Edge of Tomorrow sequel, which I think also mm. speaks well of his character and indeed, you know, ability. So I'm Live, die, I'm repeat, repeat. <laughs> what is that film's canonical name now? Is it canonically now Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow I, I, or Edge of Tomorrow, Live, I Die, don't Repeat? I don't know. I don't know anymore. All I know it's is very confusing. It's, all I know is it's, it's tremendous. And, um, good. you know, if a, a movie were coming out this week that, that is a very, very pale shadow of that movie, then I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> Perhaps we'll get to that later on. Who knows? Perhaps. Who knows? Perhaps we will. But yes, excited about Rogue Squadron and Matthew Robinson. Can I mention the story that I am most excited about this week? You know that I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And you also know that I love cheesy Christmas movies. Uh-huh. Well, put your hands together... Because now, what do I do now? Dwayne Johnson is doing a Christmas movie called Red One. You can keep your hands, do, just do whatever you want with your hands. Not that. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Dwayne Johnson has signed up for a, a Christmas movie called Red One. They are keeping the details close, but it is described as a globe-trotting four-quadrant action adventure comedy. And you love it when oh, they call it four-quadrant. Please quadrant. don't let this be a jingle all the way. <laughs> The most romantic words in the English language. <laughs> Four-quadrant comedy. Four-quadrant, oh yeah. Four-quadrant comedy. I mean, I assume it will be, you know, him having to take over from Santa for some reason and deliver all no. of the what's because that's no. usually what happens in this kind of Christmas action adventure. You should never deliver what's Christmas. People can be allergic. <laughs> right, who, who's going to be allergic to delicious what's Honestly. Some people are weird, Helen. I mean, then, I mean Helen, they are definitely like a, a D-tier crisp. Let's not fuck yeah. that yeah, you know, they're no wheat oh. crunchy. You can't choose oh, what you're allergic to. Wheat crunchies are bad. I mean, yeah. I, look, I'm not... Next I'm thing not, you're going to tell me you don't like knickknacks. I don't like knickknacks. Who likes <sighs> knickknacks? you're the worst. Mm. I know you are, but Do you remember I? Brannigan's roast beef and mustard crisps? Oh, my God. They, 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 they discontinued those. I know. I love those. So sad. So sad. A sad day for crisps and a sadder day for crisp eaters everywhere. <laughs> but, Helen, do you think that this, this movie news, that this is Dwayne the Johnson Rocks attempts to get onto your, I want, for want of a better mm -hmm. word, podcast, Thanks. Bah Humbug? <laughs> yes, I think it is. Um, okay. And I'm going to start putting in my requests now for Christmas 2023, which is when this is due to come out. I mean, it doesn't even have a director yet, let alone anything else. Yeah. But um, instantly, top 10. You know. Helen, you don't need to put requests out. This is basically your Field the Dream situation. If you build it, he will come. So, okay, so what I, if I write a list of people I want on my podcast and then I light it on fire and send it up the chimney, mm -hmm. then they'll just, they'll just dial in one day. That's what you're saying. They'll magically appear. And it already That's happened because I've already been on your podcast. So It's Christmas, <laughs> Helen. It's the time of miracles. So be of good cheer and, you know, yeah. do that. Okay. Yes. Well, anyway, back to July 1st, which is where we, we currently are as we record this. Oh, yeah. Happy happy July, everybody. And yeah. um, Christmas I'm, in I'm, July. Christmas yeah. is in July and Christmas is coming at the box office, folks. Uh, so we, we hopefully are on the downslope of this dreaded pandemic. Um, I'm Double Facts now. Mm -hmm. Hells Bells, where are you? Yep. 
Also, Jimbo. I had six vax because I don't like to take any chances. <laughs> one of both arms, one of both legs, and two yeah. in the eyes, just yeah. to make sure. And <laughs> you're swollen now. You're like the nemesis from Resident Evil Three. I've turned into the abomination, which is the only other non-FIFA <laughs> game reference I can make. <laughs> Stars. Uh, anywho. Uh, because we're hopefully on the downslope, cinemas are open, hopefully in this country, you know, now that people are getting vaccinated and, you know, we would strongly urge you to do so as well. Get uh, mm. that lovely Bill Gates 5G goodness inside your veins, folks. It's really, really good. This country is returning to normal and the States is slowly opening as well. And Fast and Furious 9 or Fast 9 or F9 or whatever the hell it's actually called opened last weekend at the box office with the biggest Three-day weekend since 2019 with $70 million. Now, that might be chump change ordinarily, but, I, you know, it's still pretty damned impressive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is along with the success of A Quiet Place Part 2 and to a lesser extent Godzilla vs. Kong is a real fillip for cinemas and the theatrical and exhibition industries mm. on both sides of the pond. And in fact, you know, all around the pond, all around the mm. world. So well done. Vin Diesel has saved us all. Hooray! <laughs> he, herald, he heralded the pandemic with bloodshot and now he has saved us all. It started with corona. It ended with corona. That was COVID. <laughs> so that's exciting. Also this week, we had a nice little trailer for Isaac Asimov's Foundation, which is coming to Apple TV+, Plus, which I'm sure Helen is stoked for. <laughs> Obviously, we'll be talking about this in some detail on the Pilot TV podcast, which drops on Monday. Mm. But Helen, why don't you tell us a little bit about Foundation, since you've clearly read all the books since we started this podcast. Oh, sure. I mean, only once, though. Yeah, so Harry Seldon, who is is played here by Jared Jared Harris, Harris. um, is a mathematician who basically comes up with this whole new branch of mathematics called psychohistory, which allows you to predict large-scale events in human history. So you can't predict, you know, what kind of chocolate bar James is going to buy the next time he goes to the shop. Dairy milk. But you can predict, generally speaking, that, you know, having people like James in charge of the country is a terrible idea. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So um, I don't know. He speaks a lot of sense. (laughs) Yes. I'm campaigning as an anti-faxer and my platform is to abolish the three-fat structure. Well, actually, that I would sign up to, which is embarrassing. My point is, Harry Seldon comes up with this new branch of mathematics and he lives in the heart of a galactic empire that spans thousands of worlds And unfortunately, it's his job to go and tell the government, I'm really sorry, I didn't want to say anything, but I think you should know this empire is going to crumble to dust in a couple of centuries. And if we're not careful, it's going to take like 10,000 years for human civilization to get back on its feet, if it ever does. And he comes up with a plan so he can reduce that length of kind of interregnum to a thousand years by setting up a foundation to kind of hold on to all human knowledge. People don't use the word interregnum enough. Well, you know, I'm trying to bring it back. And uh, yeah, so he sets up basically a foundation to protect all human knowledge during that time. And it's about the struggle to get the government to take him seriously and set up the foundation and then, and this you know, story, the beginning of the collapse of empire. This story, like your synopsis, takes place over a thousand years. And, uh, oh, you're telling me <laughs> off for being too long-winded, you? <gasps> t- today, irony died. It was 75 years old. <laughs> it was survived by shamelessness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I am the procrastinator and the filibusterer I, on this podcast, yeah. Ellen. Yeah. I must say, although if, if, if that had been Asimov's elevator pitch, we may not have got to the second book. <laughs> Oh my god. 
No, it all sounds very exciting. Uh, it, the bits it I is, listen to. Yeah, it's it's genuine. Like, the, and the first book is like tiny, but then they obviously get more bloated as they go. Quite <laughs> frankly, but um, apart from you know Asimov's absolute inability to write any decent female characters, which, in fairness, the show seems to be trying to address by gender swapping a few people, I think this looks really fun. And I think I think Jared Harris in particular is superb casting. So I'm really really yeah. interested it, it to see looks, where it goes. I do love like a sweeping epic kind of hard sci-fi thing. The only mm-hmm. only thing that has my spider sense tingling is I said almost exactly the same thing before Raised by Wolves dropped and I spent 10 hours watching that and I regretted it bitterly at the end of it so I'm very much hoping that doesn't happen again but you know I'm you know you can stop watching right I mean that you do have that that facility no it's a bit like going downhill on a skateboard you just once you're on that's it you know you jump off you're gonna graze your knees so you just kind of have to hang on for dear life and take the grazed knee rather than wasting (laughs) 10 hours of my life on a show I don't particularly like well, but, I have I have decided with Raised by Wolves, I will bail before season two because, you know, one 10-hour stint is enough. Okay. I'm going to finish off the news section with four very exciting bits of news, hugely exciting bits of news. So two films started shooting this week, which are very exciting for us here at the Empire Podcast. In fact, three films started shooting this week, which are very exciting for us here on the Empire Podcast. First of all, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever has begun production, I believe, in Atlanta. Very, very exciting. There's a whole bunch of MCU movies that are shooting or in post right now. So Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is also shooting in England. Uh, As we speak, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has just wrapped. Spider-Man No Way Home has wrapped. Uh, But Black Panther Wakanda Forever is in production with Ryan Coogler directing. Obviously, it is, well, we don't know how yet, but it's going to address the the loss of Chadwick Boseman and the loss of T'Challa. And so I can imagine that was a very emotional opening day mm. on that set. But really looking forward to that and really looking forward to seeing what they deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They haven't confirmed really anything about this. So anything we say would be pure speculation. But but mm-hmm. Feige did say it was it's clearly very emotional without Chad. Um, but everyone is also very excited to bring the world of Wakanda Black. And we're going to do it in a way that would make Chad proud which is a, a nice sentiment. So, mm. yeah, fingers crossed for that. Indeed. The second film I got all excited about is John Wick Chapter 4, Woo! which began shooting this week. And it has an amazing cast, as we discussed on previous shows. You know, um, some guy called Keanu Reeves. We Donnie Yen has joined the cast. Bill Skarsgård is in the cast. So is Scott Adkins, beloved Ooh. of this podcast, the, uh, the the amazing Scott Adkins. And he is in negotiations to join the cast and presumably kick the shit out of huh. John Wick and then because John horribly. Wick die horribly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, exciting. So they're adding real martial arts prowess to this franchise. I mean, they already had it in John Wick Chapter 3 with yeah, Yaya yeah. and, and uh, Chechep from The Raid and The Raid 2. But and this... Depa- and Mark Dacascos. And Mark Dacascos, my God, who was a late addition to the cast. Mm. But very, very exciting uh, to see where this goes. So, yes! John Wick Chapter 4. And then, of course, we have shooting right now, as we speak, in Greece. Daniel Craig is doing unspeakable things to a Southern American accent (laughs) in what we're calling Knives Out 2, but which I suspect will be called something very, very different by the time that is officially announced. And so Ryan Johnson did a, a shot of the camera on day one of the Knives Out sequel. And then there were some pap shots of Ethan Hawke, who was in the cast, this phenomenally good cast, and Dave Bautista shooting out there in Greece as well. I don't think Craig has been cited yet as Benoit Blanc, but oh my God, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this movie. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to Something be awesome. Something is afoot. <laughs> I suspect foul play. Also on Disney Plus, did you notice this uh, this MCU Simpson synergy is coming to Disney mm. Plus? Yeah. So yes, there was a Star Wars crossover. I've focused a little bit on Maggie Simpson, but this is a an MCU Avengers themed crossover, uh, and it is called The Simpsons: The Good, The Bart, and The Loki, and stars Hiddles himself as Loki, uh, who gets banished from Asgard and ends up, wouldn't you know it, in Springfield, facing his greatest challenge yet, The Simpsons, and that that drops actually it's in a week. <laughs> drops on the seventh of July on Disney Plus. Hey, sounds great. I mean, no, the, the the Maggie thing was very, very cute. It was mm. a kind of a day, daycare story and it didn't like stay its welcome. I think it was like three minutes long, actually. Huh. So, you know, this is not something I think to worry about. It should be quite fun. Yeah, like okay. the poster's a lot of fun. You've got, yeah. uh, you know, Ned Flanders as Ant-Man and Ralph Wiggum as Hulk. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you also seen, uh, and this may be a spoiler, but I don't know, it probably is a spoiler, but the show came out in January now, but that there has been an alteration to the post credit sting on WandaVision. Have you seen this? I, I saw <laughs> the posts about this and I couldn't work out how much of this is actually true or how much this is full QAnon conspiracy craziness. I mean, but... you, you could you could go and watch it right now it would take you 30 seconds sure but that's a level of commitment i'm not prepared to invest in shall i shall i go i'm going to take 30 seconds out of my time and i'm going to it's a shadow isn't it isn't it, watch it, it not the shadow but there's a shadow is this what we're saying this is this is what yes. has been said the trees are this looking is... a little bit sprucier in that they're spruce but uh there's a shadow it's just a shadow <laughs> on the <laughs> Yes. So at the end of Wonder, I'm not going to say exactly what happens at the end of WandaVision, but there's a tracking shot over some trees at the end of WandaVision. And then it now appears that they have added a very familiar looking shadow to... I'm going to see myself. I see something. Yeah, I've just taken a look. And so there's a there seems to be something that looks vaguely possibly like a silhouette of someone who may or may not look a bit like Doctor Strange. Ooh. Or white vision. We don't know. It's just someone with a cloak. This is true. This is true. I would I would say it's more silhouette-y. Um, it's more strangely silhouette-y uh, I see than it is. silhouette of a man. Yeah, uh, but it might just be a figment of someone's imagination. It might not. It might not have any significance, but um, it might just be one of those Easter eggs they didn't have quite time to finish before they put the show up on Disney Plus. The last thing I wanted to talk about, I said four things are massively exciting me right now. Three of them have begun shooting this week. Another one I think begins shooting next week. It is Gareth Evans' return to the action thriller, which if you know Gareth Evans' work at all, should get you all kinds of excited. And it is Havoc. And this was a movie that had previously announced that it was going to star Tom Hardy and Forrest Whitaker, and that remains the case. But this week, the cast was augmented by the likes of Jesse May Lee, Yo Yan Yan, Quellen Sepulveda, Luis Guzman, Sonny Pang, and Michelle Waterson, who's a UFC mixed martial artist. But the one that really got me excited was the addition of Timothy Oliphant. Ooh. Yes. Very excited about this. And so Tom Hardy's going to play a detective who has to make his way through the criminal underworld. And I'm hyped. I'm hyped mm -hmm. for this movie. Uh, so this could be on Netflix. Start shooting soon. Timothy Oliphant could do no wrong. Correct. Yes, please. Except yes. that when he plays bad guys. And I suspect he might be playing a bad guy in this. But even then, he can do no wrong. He can call me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> call me, Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A oh. slot on Bar Humbug is yours. <laughs> Come and talk Christmas Remember movies with me. Remember when we uh, remember when we all went a bit nuts for him in Mando? 
and and his hair. I wonder what his oh hair will be God, doing in this hair. film. Oh, his hair is just immaculate. Do you think that's why Hitman didn't work? Because he had no hair. Yeah. And also it was shit. Yeah. I was on set of that film. Mm. Well, there you go. You are the, uh, the, the albatross. <laughs> that's it. I uh, I rewatched A Perfect Getaway the other the other week. Have you seen that film? The David Tui film? Maybe, Steve Sahn, Mili Ovovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy yeah. Oliphant. Good film. Nice little, nice little twisted thriller. Mm. And he is so off the charts charismatic in that movie. I was watching that film and it suddenly hit me. We've had this discussion on the Emperor podcast time and time again about could any actor play Indiana Jones other than Harrison Ford and it struck me watching The Perfect Getaway it's like oh my god he's right there he's right there he's got everything he's got the charisma he's got the physicality he's got that swagger but he can play normal guys as well he's got that hint of danger he's got amazing facial hair and amazing hair but I wonder if now he's maybe a little bit too old. But given that Harrison Ford is 155 years old and is playing Indiana Jones currently, then age surely is no barrier. Well, he could fill in the gaps, you know, sort of fill in that middle section, as it were. Yes, um, between Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and whatever it is that yeah, they're going to call the, the fourth I just, one. I, look, Timothy Olyphant is amazing and I just don't understand why he doesn't get cast in everything, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I remember having warm and fuzzy feelings for him in Go, where he's the scuzziest character in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, Yes. And what is Go, Helen? Well, I mean, it's a film by Doug Lyman. <laughs> when is it set, Helen? Um, I forget. What is what is he wearing in the film, Helen? T-shirt? On his head, Helen. The <laughs> fucking Christmas hat, Helen. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm That's saying, where you're going with be, this. He could be a well, guest on Bad Humbug. On Bad Humbug. Okay, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But it would have yeah. to be one of those in-person things. Like, you know, oh, now so. that yeah, we're yeah. on the downside of the yeah. pandemic. You could do a, one, a bit of one-to-one time, Timothy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh no, I bit, only brought one yeah. mic. We'll have to get close. <laughs> we'll have to get close. Oh, sorry, my fire isn't working. You'll have to take your sweater off. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. How would that? Never mind. Uh, Don't mind Chris, he's just here to observe. You just write <laughs> your like, own fanfic, Chris, it's fine. He's, he's like the UN. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, yes. I think that's it for the movie news. That is it. Well, good luck to everybody on all those four movies. And uh, now it is time to talk to this week's guests. Yes, indeed, guests. Because Freaky, the excellent horror comedy Freaky by Christopher Landon, the guy behind both Happy Death Day movies, is finally out this week in the UK, about 25 years roughly after it came out in the States. It is all kinds of fun. Basic setup is Freaky Friday the 13th. That was literally the elevator pitch for this movie. So Catherine Newton, who you will soon see as Cassie Lang in Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Return of Sonny Birch, is a young girl who goes to high school. She is targeted by a notorious Jason Furhees-style-like killer played by Vince Vaughn, and due to shenanigans, they suddenly find themselves swapping bodies. So now she is the murderous psychopath, and he is a teenage girl stuck in a six-foot-five-inch body of a behemoth. So lots of comedy, lots of horror, lots of kills, lots of hijinks. It's great, great fun. We'll talk about that soon in the review section. But... Cast your minds back to last October. The nights were long, the nights were dark, the nights were cold. And I had the chance to talk to Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton together. And I've been sitting on that interview ever since. So I really hope that by sitting on it, I haven't squashed it flat or deleted it completely. (laughs) Otherwise, this is going to be very embarrassing. But here you go. I can't remember a goddamn thing we talked about. (laughs) But hopefully, it'll be fun. Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, do please enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast in lockdown, of course, by the stars of Freaky, Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. How are you both? 
doing, doing great. terrific. How are you? Oh, you know, not too bad, not too bad. Can't complain. If I started complaining, I'd take up the whole 15 minutes. So let's not, let's not do that. Uh, guys, congratulations on the film. It's an absolute blast. It's a ton of fun. Uh, and it's just the sort of thing I needed in lockdown because I haven't left this room for about six months. Well, I'm glad to hear that Freaky brightened up your lockdown because I feel the same way. I haven't been able to do much, you know, been playing a lot of golf because you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um but I felt like that when I watched Freaky for the first time, it made me so happy. And so I do think that if people get to watch this film, whatever way, in theaters, safely or at home, that it just brightens brightens up their day. Go have fun for a minute and take a break, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's a fun film in which people get killed in incredibly inventive ways. Yeah, it's super sweet, like really heartwarming. <laughs> It's genuinely super sweet and heartwarming as well, but people die in inventive ways with implements and all sorts of stuff. And Vince, initially, (laughs) you are responsible for a lot of the the killing in this movie. What was the first conversation you had about this film? I mean, I imagine the script didn't just come to you and you're flipping through it going, they want me, Vince Vaughn, a man who's known for my loquaciousness, to play this silent killer. What the hell is going on? You know, and the screenplay read very well, and it it did come to me as a screenplay, and I read it, and I thought it was so much fun. And, you know, comedy and horror on their own can be challenging genres, but when you mix them together, it's very challenging to go in and out of those things effectively. So having seen Chris Landon's earlier films like Happy Death Day, he's actually quite good at, you know, mixing those genres in a way where they complement each other. Um, So I felt very confident with him as the filmmaker that we would be able to pull off the screenplay as well as it was written um, because I was both laughing and the kills were so, as you said, fun and inventive and cool. And I found what I I found what most interesting was, and I always like this, but you have a great setup for this girl who's mistreated in high school. And then there's an oddity that when the serial killer's in her body, this stuff is wrong. But part of you as the reader or as the audience is kind of rooting for the killer where some of these teachers and bullies are concerned. So I kind of found that to be delicious in that it kind of goes in different places. You're not just sort of taken on a one kind of through line point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Catherine, you get to to, uh, to, uh, to do a lot of that side of the, the side of the film as well. A lot of you know retribution, a lot of righting of the wrongs. And uh, you're, you know... I'm, I can say this because you're 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 very distant from me. You're terrifying in this film. Uh, you have you have that stare, that hard stare. Was that based on anything Vince was doing, or was that something that that came from you? I definitely got a lot from Vince in our rehearsals, and we did talk about the physicality of the picture and head tilts and moments of going in for the kill. And I love that in horror films. Um, and as an actor, you know, you do a lot of it just with your eyes. You don't get to use words or that's just a different kind of storytelling. And I love that because you can take a lot of risks and have more fun with it physically. But um, I don't think I thought about like, oh, I'm going to look scary in this moment. But I do know like in our rehearsal, we had one where Vince was um, watching me as the butcher. And he was like, OK, I want to feel like you're going to kill me now. And I was like, OK, 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 let's go. And I think that when you really put yourself in those situations, especially in a movie like this, where everything's so crazy and so heightened and everything's at stake, you have to keep it really real. So I was really thinking about killing those people in those moments. 
Good news for them, I'm, I'm guessing, <laughs> as well. <laughs> Just giving you a cold shoulder on set. So I looked a lot cooler, and the red leather jacket was pretty sick. And, you know, the chainsaw, these are really nice accessories that, you know, are part of the fun. And in, in terms of the, the body swap element of it, in terms of the, the performance side as well, the movie I thought of, strangely enough, was probably, obviously, yes, Freaky Friday, but uh, Face Off. And mm. there was so much talk around the time that movie came out of how Nick Cage and John DeVolta studied each other and their mannerisms beforehand and their way of speaking. Uh, did you guys do anything like that? You talked about the rehearsal period. Do you, you know, do you have a lot of time on a movie like this to get together and study each other and the way you move, the way you speak? I felt that what was different with this was we were building unique characters that were mm. not either of ourselves, but sort of these creations. So... And we did have a good amount of rehearsal time, not, you know, we had a little over almost just under two weeks, I think, but we got a lot done because we both came in with a lot of ideas. So, you know, everything from the external physicalities to the internal emotions and what we felt about things. And then it was an ongoing process while we shot. There was times we would be on set and share and ask ideas of each other. And that was the part that was really kind of fun and, and, and different. Well, kind of how would you do this kind of question? Right. Yeah, sort of talking as the butcher to have a co-collaborator, you know, or as Millie, because each character, no matter who it is, it's they're all individuals and specific, you know, in the in the in the true philosophy that the, the biggest minority is always the individual, because as you go go through who they are, what they value, what they believe in, that that everyone is not going to be totally aligned. So even though Millie's a you know, in the obvious, she's this teenage girl, but she's also someone who is a mascot, who, you know, doesn't date, who is experiencing bullying. So she she has not everything in common, obviously, with the other kids at the school, mm-hmm. nor do they with her. So and even though the butcher's a killer, you know, what leads someone to that point, that place? And why does he kill? And what is it about him? And what is he what is what is going on there? So it was just great to have somebody to fill in all those those ideas with and actually for me inspire me in a lot of ways. I was so excited when I found out that Vince was going to be the butcher. And then I was completely overwhelmed, like, oh my God, am I going to have to learn how to copy Vince Vaughn? I I can't do that. Nobody can do that. Like nobody. I'm sorry. Nobody can be Vince. So I but then that's when I realized as soon as I met him and we started talking about the characters. And really, when we it was like when I really realized that we were both creating two people was hearing Chris <laughs> and Vince talk about Millie because I felt like an, an immediate connection to Millie because I felt like she was just like me. But we were creating it together. Like, how is Millie going to walk? How is she going to hold herself and carry herself? And these were all things that I felt like were like inherent. Like, I, but then when it was like different, getting to talk to Vince about it, like why, why she's that way. You never get to do that on a movie yeah. you kind of bring your homework to set and you're ready to roll so to have that kind of rehearsal time is really a luxury on a movie you don't really get to do that um and then with the butcher i think i had everybody fooled because i had no idea what to do <laughs> but it worked out <laughs> <laughs> well physicality is such a big part of both performances and it's fascinating as well because you know fence over the last few years with things like 
Brawl and Cell Block 99, which I loved. I mean, you, you know, you've always been, sir, and I mean this with love and respect, a big unit. You are a big unit. Uh, but the comedies you've done never really leaned into that. But things like Brawl and Cell Block 99 and this really do. The Butcher is big. He crashes through walls. He's strong. Can you talk about that aspect from your point of view? And then Catherine also distilling that into Millie Butcher, if that makes any sense, and carrying and having that power within that character as well. Yeah, physicality is a part of any character. And I think both are valid. Like you can get to physicality based on internal stuff. And you can also get to internal stuff by taking certain physical positions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you sit, you know, even just kind of slouch like this, it can change how you feel inside versus if you kind of sit more, you know, with posture and vice versa, how you feel can dictate it. So they kind of work hand in hand. So and something like brawl, you know, that was also a, a, a certain type of physical shape I needed to get into. Um, there was choices with that character that um, where he was from and how he was raised. And then with someone like the butcher is someone who is, you know, almost decaying. There's no self-love. There's no, there's no kind of, uh, you look at where he lives and what he surrounds himself with. That's, that's someone who is really not, you know, doing anything for themselves in a physical sense. So, and then, you know, Millie is obviously someone who is just changing. She's going through those awkward stages of adolescence and she's kind of learning her size. She's learning that she's older. She's finding her voice and she's, you know, going through self-doubts that we all do, trying to find, you know, have some self-belief in her physical appearance. And again, it's sort of what I liked is that even though the butcher is a dangerous thing and a bad thing, there is an empowerment that comes to this girl by seeing how the serial killer is presenting themselves within that body. Yeah. And Catherine as well, distilling again that that power, you know, the, the butcher is a guy who was 6'5", and now he's in your body, but you're still projecting that sense of power. That's really interesting. Right. I mean, I stood up a lot straighter. You know, I carried myself with my chest open. um, Ducked under doorways. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just different. Um, You felt a lot more powerful. And, you know, even after I finished the movie, I felt like I, I I learned a lot about myself. Like, oh, I could be this badass if I wanted to. I don't have to, but I could if I wanted to. Cool. It took Millie literally being somebody else to see how powerful she can be. She could literally be a serial killer if she wanted to, which uh, is insane. Uh, until until that last sentence, I thought you had just described uh, being an actor. Until the <laughs> until the serial killing thing, I think you <laughs> that was pretty much too method. It went a little <laughs> yeah. never go method or too method anyway with something like this. Um, Who remember it started disappearing? We're like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Do you need a key? Grip? I know Catherine's going method, but it's weird. The crafty guy, he was nice. <laughs> he had to go. I often think about that. You know, they always say like with method and in that, but you always go, well, how come people didn't go disappearing and getting killed during the filming of that thing there? How come actors never, you know, if you're deep in method, you don't go, what the hell is that thing over there being pointing to the camera? What is that? Is that going to steal my soul? Anyway, we could could have a long conversation about that. But the the last thing is, uh, when I first saw the trailer for this, when I first heard the concept for this movie, I thought immediately, oh, this movie started life as Freaky Friday the 13th. And I came up with some of my own horror movie mashups. 
in case Please. you guys have got you've got some time on your hands after this. You know, we're on the middle of a pandemic. I'm going to throw some at you here. See if you'd be interested in starring in these. Okay, here we go. A Nightmare on Elm Street car named Desire. <laughs> okay, so Catherine, you play Blanche. She moves in with her sister, her brother-in-law, Stanley, then starts having strange dreams. And Vince, you play a guy with knives for fingers. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. In. Vince is in and I'm doing it. Brilliant. This is, this is my retirement plan right here. Okay, here's another one. Annie Hall Oween. It's a romantic comedy about a writer who tries to figure out why his relationship with a masked maniac never worked out. Catherine, you're the masked maniac. Vince, you're the writer. Are you in or you're out? I'm in. <laughs> I love the investigation of what are the things that feel big that are actually very small that are keeping us apart. Like the mass murder. <laughs> like maybe the mass murders. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, mass you know, things that you make out to be a big deal that really it's like, you know what I mean? Not, 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 it's not a valley. It, it may be a bridge to be crossed. Let's build a bridge and cross it. <laughs> That's not something this small get between us. Let's, let's, yeah. let's investigate. Absolutely. The last one is Fred Claus. Yes. Santa's younger brother is a werewolf. Yes, he's in. I'm, I'm definitely in. I'm definitely in. I also have one. Okay. Hit. Three men and a baby meets the exorcist. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. I'm going to upgrade that. Are you in? Are you I, in? I'm in. <laughs> okay. But only if it's three men and Rosemary's baby. Well, now we just keep adding, we keep adding flavors to an already terrific Sunday. <laughs> we'll have to workshop this. We'll have to workshop this and see where we land. But I like. Workshop it. Yeah. We got a Zoom call next week. I'll pencil you in. Absolutely. Yeah. Vince, Catherine, my people Catherine, will call you your people. Give us one. Catherine, give us a, give us a, 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 a mashup. <laughs> okay. Um, ooh, okay. Nightmare on... <laughs> Nightmare on... Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, but, but Nightmare on... Meets Herbie Fully Loaded. Which one? <laughs> Nightmare on Herbie Fully Loaded. There you go. <laughs> it's about the folks like a beetle that kills people. I'm all in. A I'm beetle in. that kills people. Yeah, it's the, it's the car. It kills everybody. That's that was it. Bit, that's, yeah, Vince didn't say that at all. That was all me. I mean, that's a bit like Christine, but I, you know, it's like what hasn't been done before. Yeah, it's more right. slapstick than Christine. Though it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be classic. Listen, my people will call your people. We'll make this work. We'll be next year. We'll all be doing interviews for these movies. It'll be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a three picture deal. Or I'm not signing. Okay, let <laughs> me know that up front. Uh, Vince, Catherine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank sir. you. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, so that was Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, and now it is time to talk movies. The movies that are going to be out in your multiplex, the movies that are going to be out on your sofaplex this weekend. And should we start with a bit of class? Should we class the joint up for once? We've got Freaky to talk about soon, which is going to be amazing fun. We have the Tomorrow War, which isn't. Uh, should we talk about the Oscar winner in, the, in this week's selection of movies, which is, of course, Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round. Hell's Bells. Yes. Thomas Vinterberg, Mez Mickelson. Don't mind if I do. Inter- <laughs> uh, best international feature film. It did, yes. I, I think deservedly so. This is um, this walks the exact line between immense fun and actually quite serious and thoughtful. So it's about four... So it's like me, but, but the movie version. Uh, 
anyway, so it's about four <laughs> middle-aged, middle-class, respectable teachers okay. who uh, go out for a night on their own to celebrate the 40th birthday of one of them. And they begin discussing this theory uh, by a psychiatrist who theorizes that having a blood alcohol content of 0.05 makes you more creative and relaxed. And Martin, one of the, one of the gang, the one played by Ed Mickelson, is inspired by this. He's kind of having trouble at home in his marriage and he decides to see if this works. So basically he's trying to maintain a blood alcohol level of 0.05 mm-hmm. throughout his life. And and then the others sign up and kind of join in with him. So basically all four of these guys are downing alcohol all day, every day in small amounts is the theory. And then they decide to take the, the thing further and double their limit and get their blood alcohol content up a bit more. And the it's all still going well. And then they decide to try a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. So it's just, it's a really interesting uh, take on just alcohol culture and take on the dependency that I think a lot of countries around the world, certainly Denmark, um, certainly our country, have mm-hmm. on on alcohol for social lubrication, for creativity, for lowering inhibitions, and the importance that it can have, but also the destructive effect that it can have. So it's not completely, you know, condemnatory, but it also does say, you know, it's not as easy as just maintaining a blood alcohol level of 0.05. And there will be consequences. There will be consequences, yeah. and they will not all be you know, shiny and beautiful and and more creative and more relaxed. and, and It's all not a hedonistic wallow, for example. It is at but times, it, yeah. but yeah, but not all. So it's, I think it's a really, really clever and thoughtful film, even for us as teetotalers. I thought it was a really yes. interesting look at, you know... <laughs> Are we, am, I, am I missing out? Should I be trying to do this? You know, I've, I've, I've long thought this, but every time then I try alcohol, I just go, no, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, a friend of mine once told me that it would take a, a year. That was an acquired taste that oh, you would take, you, 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 you know, give it about a year. And I was like, I don't, I don't have that kind of time to dedicate to this. And also I, you know, there's numerous reasons why I don't drink, mm. but um, that, you know, the taste is one of them. I've yeah. never ever had an alcoholic drink that's maybe gone mmm yummy scrummy more of that please yes oh I can taste blackberries and sunshine I can't <laughs> I just taste yeah. alcohol uh, I anyway. just taste notes of vinegar and despair that's usually what I you know <laughs> if, I sip, if I sip wine like my wife who's really into you know into her wine culture and stuff like that you know she's going oh yeah you detect notes of, of like there's notes of cinnamon in there well maybe not cinnamon I don't know what you put in wine uh, I think there's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get that. people say you that, notes yeah. of cinnamon cherry there's a cherry note in there and I'm going no I just it's all wine tastes like vinegar all yeah. of it every single bit <laughs> all of it you know, yeah. yeah the the $1000 bottle and the 5 pound shit that you get down in your local supermarket mm-hmm. all tastes the same oh but you just haven't <laughs> developed your palate blah 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 yes i know okay yes that's correct i haven't oh no, all excuse right. me while i down this bottle of coke zero and eat another <laughs> kitkat anyway our point was originally about the film another round by thomas vinterberg starring meds mickelson um and look, I, I really, really like this, actually, even as we say, as a non-drinker. I, I think it's it's a really fascinating look at the way that you can kind of get stuck in a rut, the things you can do to try and break out of that and how maybe that can lead to other problems in themselves. I think it's a really beautifully put together film as well. I thought the cinematography was gorgeous. All of these kind of greens and greys and blues of of the Danish countryside and the Danish townscapes. And it ends with this, I'm not going to spoil it, but it ends with a scene that has kind of stuck with me ever since and makes the most of its leading man's abilities and strikes a strange, funny, 
sad, surreal note that felt unexpected and yet very effective. Mm. So I really liked it. Yeah. But Helen, does anyone at any point go into the future to fight aliens? Because honestly, if they don't, I'm just not interested. James, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm afraid that is not part of this. You've film. narrowed it down, James. I mean, that's that's a pretty narrow band of movies. In fact, I can think maybe of one, um, which we'll discuss in a second. But uh, yeah, I fully agree with Helen. I, I thought this was terrific, brilliantly acted. Meds is fantastic. He got nominated for a BAFTA. Thomas Finterberg got nominated for Best Director. They worked together previously, of course, in 2012, I want to say, on The Hunt, which is another tremendous movie, if you want to check that one out. A little bit harder hitting, I would say, than this yeah. one. Certainly tackling a, a much darker subject as well. But this is a tremendous piece of filmmaking. I had actually seen, and Ian Freer mentions this in his review for Empire as well, I'd seen the last shot, the last scene, yeah. because it was doing the rounds on social media before I'd seen the film. Uh, but don't worry, it's not a Marvel movie, so it's not a spoiler necessarily in that way. But uh, it is, it certainly Nick is a Fury wonderful... Nick Fury turns up with shots. <laughs> yes, and recruits <laughs> Caecilius. And, and it's basically the whole thing is a big old Doctor Strange mm. prequel. Sure. Stealth, Doctor Strange prequel. Yeah, this is this is wonderful. This is really, really wonderful. Uh, I did not play the drinking game. <laughs> You'd be delighted to know. Uh, otherwise, I would have been dead. But we gave us one four stars. Four stars then for another round. And next, Jimbo, let your... <laughs> well, I was going to say let your freaky flag fly, but that's going to be later on. That's afterwards. Yes, let your future war flag fly with the tomorrow war i you know i uh, uh, very often on this podcast i preface a review with there could not be a more james film than this film and i do think that the tomorrow war falls firmly into that category uh this that is, is desperately disappointing <laughs> it, in that it riffs most... on a lot of films that you love more <laughs> yeah but i mean it is the most me film ever so this this is uh directed by chris mckay who did the lego batman movie and it stars chris pratt as a man called Dan. And Dan... <laughs> Please tell me this isn't going to be as granular as that. You're going to introduce every character in that same way. Oh my God, James. And Dan, one afternoon, is watching the World Cup at a time that I'm led to believe by you, Chris, that the World Cup wasn't actually on, but let's not get... Well, no, no okay. I, I need to, I need to step on. in here all and right, right, explain do it, this. Do it, do I guess it. we're probably not going to be doing a spoiler special for this because if we did, it would be an hour of me just screaming. But... Uh, so I've got to explain that this movie starts in 2022. It starts in December of 2022 and it starts with the World Cup final in Qatar. Mm -hmm. You know, so, OK, that's happening. That is happening. Uh, I looked it up. All right. So they're watching the World Cup final, which as far as I can see is between Brazil mm -hmm. and another team. Their kit looked a lot like Scotland. Now, there is no way on earth. meant to be France, right? Is it not meant to be France? It didn't look like a French kit. Okay. And also one of the players is called Mason. Now that me, you know, you could absolutely Masson. be a French. There's no reason why you couldn't have, you know, uh, English parents. You could grow up in France. You could be playing. But it looked like, basically it looked like it was Brazil <laughs> versus Scotland in the World Cup <laughs> final. That's, that's my head cannon. That is what I'm going with. Scotland sure. have reached the World Cup final. Andy Robertson's about to win the World Cup. It's two all. And they're watching the final. Now I looked this up. Because, you know, this is such a huge deal. They've already released the schedule for the World Cup. They don't know which teams are going to be in the World Cup final, but they know when it's going to be played. And it's going to be played on the 18th of December at 3 o'clock GMT. Now, that means okay. in the States that it's going to be either 7 o'clock, plenty of your time zone, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, I think, right? That's the, the, the time zones in the, in the States. So the earliest that Chris Pratt and his family could be watching that is at 10 in the morning. And yet, A, it's dark. B, they're having a full-blown party weirdos so immediately 
It took me out of the movie. It was unrealistic. It had lost me. And then some nonsense about aliens started now, as well. It's possible we've become slightly sidetracked. But, so there's a man called Dan. And Dan is watching the World Cup. <laughs> and during the World Cup, as the little man with the ball is about to kick it in the little net, as I'm understood happens in a football match, a portal from the future opens and soldiers on from the, the future on the field yep. And soldiers from the future, who all look like teenagers, come out of the portal and tell humanity that we're all fucked. Because in 30 years' time, aliens are going to invade, and there's a great big war in the future, and the aliens, crucially, are winning said war. So instead of doing what any person who reads science fiction would do and going back into the past and winning the war before it begins, no, they decide to do something completely fucking stupid and conscript people from the past to take them to the future to bolster their forces to help drive off the alien threat. So we then skip forward a year where they've exhausted the world's military and they're now conscripting civilians to take them into the future. And wouldn't you know it, but Dan's number comes up. So who Dan, who would have thought? Who would have thought Dan is sent into the future with a natty little arm? I should point out Dan is a science teacher who happened to be a special forces soldier, as all American <laughs> science teachers used to be, and therefore special forces science teacher Dan goes into the future to fight the aliens. And that is where she changed. You convinced me this is the best movie ever made. <laughs> this cinematic masterpiece kicks into high gear. Look, there are so many things about this film that don't work. The fact that Chris Pratt, who is genius as a comic character really when he plays it straight it just doesn't work for me on any level and he is so bland like dan dan his name is dan and he is bland dan dan is a very bland man and there is nothing particularly exceptional about him and you it's quite hard to get involved in his quote-unquote character in this film mm. plus this film is incredibly long at two hours and 20 minutes and in the latter half, the plot, which is always pretty fucking stupid, takes a certain turn and goes from, okay, this is stupid, but it's the level of stupid that you roll with it. That We've all seen Fast 9. You can go with a level of stupidity. You can embrace the stupidity. But when they are so stupid within their own universe, within their own logic, you just want to punch someone. And yeah. there is a point in this film where you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So that I, bothered I me as well. I was shouting at the TV at one yes, point. Yes, Like, literally shouting. So was I. It was like, there's no way you play a World Cup at that time. However... All of that said, I really enjoyed this film enormously, and I can't quite say, say why. I think partly, I loved the concept of it. Again, it's batshit, and it makes no sense from the get-go, because it's no. strategically problematic on every conceivable level. But it's it's really interesting. I quite enjoy the kind of the mechanics of it, the world building, if you will, the world that he goes into. The, I think there's some set pieces where the aliens are quite fun. The aliens have a real sense of menace to them. You know, it, he really gets dropped in the meat grinder and it's quite full on. And the initial incursion into the future I thought was great. There's about half an hour of solid action. It's really, really good. It loses the thread a little bit after that. But, you know, mm. there's some feels in here as well. Uh, despite him not having a lot of character, there's some, there's some proper feels in there. And while the first half of this film is definitely better than the second half, I was never bored and I really, really liked it. And I can't, hands on heart, say this is a good film. I can, hand on heart, tell you I had a very good time. We gave this two stars. There's a part of me that kind of thinks that's probably what this film deserves. But there's another part of me that's saying, I had a really three-star experience with it. And <laughs> maybe were I feeling generous and I had been reviewing Why? it, I might have gone three stars with it. Why and are yes, you so enthusiastic and then saying three stars? 
I don't get it. No, I'm I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm not going to say it's a four star film. I'm not even <laughs> sure I had a four star experience with it. But I'm just saying I enjoyed this a lot, and I recommend people watch it. But I don't recommend they file it away under you know modern classics to be revisited annually. I mean, it's on it's on Amazon, so seeing it's going to be easier. You won't have that sting of you go down to the cinema part with yeah. ten to thirty yeah. quid of your hard earned cash, depending on how many people are in your party and how expensive the tickets are, obviously. And then you watch a leaden pile of poo, and then you you get angry, and uh, you know. So maybe that somewhat mollifies it a little bit. Who knows? I feel like most of the stuff that I enjoyed in this is because it reminded me of films that I do genuinely love. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, it's that bit from Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, look, oh, it's look, that it's Starship bit from... Troopers. It's Starship Troopers. <laughs> There's so much Starship Troopers in here. And I love um, these films. And I think that's and part I, of why I do I love it. these films, you know, and... You know, but there's so much that doesn't make sense. You know, the fact that Dan seems genuinely uh, taken aback that his number has come up for the draft when he is a veteran of special forces. Yeah. They'd be top of the draft. It's like, like Dan, there would, come on, Dan. There's no question. Come on, mm. Dan. Come on. <laughs> it's just, there's so many things in this that are just so stupid and so many bits of the quote-unquote science, I, I really think it needs to be in oh, quotation God. marks in the same way that physics does in the Fast, Fast and Furious universe, um, that just make no sense, even even by their own, you know, standards. And mm. and yeah, and that, that moment about half an hour from the end where I just started shouting and throwing things, which mm. I, I can't express enough how stupid it is. But Dan, as we said, entirely humorless. I props though to Sam Richardson, who's kind of like the comic relief in this, who I found a lot of fun. I really enjoyed him in this. I thought Yvonne Strahovski was very good as the kind of yep. like future colonel person. And J.K. Simmons with a beard <laughs> who gets referred to as Conspiracy Santa. And that made me laugh a lot. Oh, Helen, by humbug. Yay, another guest to come That's it. around. There That's we go. It. It's not a masterpiece, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, di- I, I didn't hate it as I was watching it until that point. Anyway. I'm more closely aligned with our two-star review, if, if I'm honest. This may shock you. I don't know what's happened to Chris Pratt. His choices have become strange. And it strikes me as strange as someone who got to start in the industry really playing funny, quirky mm-hmm. characters like Peter Quill and Andy Dwyer in Parks and Recreation. is really sanding off his rough edges a little bit. And I know he has done serious stuff in the past. He's in Moneyball. He's in Zero Dark Thirty. And so he's obviously trying to prove he can stretch himself. But there's nothing to this character. There's There, there are no peaks or no troughs. There's no valleys. There's nothing to get your, your teeth into. There's no, there's no Chris Prattiness to this character and i want to see chris pratt who's a very funny guy in real life mm. you know a lot of andy's best jokes and parks and rec were improv by him so you know so it's good. yeah I, I will say that i thought that the i was expecting and kind of dreading that the politics of the film would be a lot more obnoxious than they mm, were but not. there are some moments of obnoxiousness but generally speaking it's not quite as gung-ho militaristic as i as i sort of feared going into this so i'll give it some credit for that mm. and it's and also like there's money on that screen as well like it's yeah, not it yeah. doesn't feel cheap like it's there's a lot going on mm. um it's just that the the screenplay at times is very leaden and very earnest as well and it's just like mm. i think they could have struck a more playful tone with this given how fucking stupid it is nevertheless hugely fun two stars <laughs> two stars for tomorrow War. do not listen to him <laughs> Listen to everyone else. Two stars uh, for the Tomorrow War. And finally, this week, let's spend... We, we gave far too much time to the Tomorrow War. Let's give equal amounts of time to Freaky. I want to get Freaky. Yes, I do. Um, it's so good. I love this. Uh, this is what happens when you take a high school body swap concept 
and a slasher film. And when they love each other very much and they have a baby, <laughs> that's freaky. But what's incredible to me and genuinely impressive about this film is it delivers as a slasher movie and as a high school body swap comedy. Like, I feel like it does both jobs really, really well. So we open, as Chris has kind of alluded to, with Vince Vaughn's terrifying serial killer enacting a series of extremely inventive and very gory kills against some people. And I thought that was really well done, really well timed, really well played. Mm-hmm. Great kills. And then we go into this cute high school experience with Catherine Newton. And, uh, you know, she is shy and awkward and bullied and picked upon and has a crush on a boy who she can't quite bring herself to talk to. And then when they end up body swapping during a, a kill gone wrong, basically, they both get to play the opposite part. And I will say, I do think Vince Vaughn goes quite broad at times with the teenage girl body language. (laughs) And sometimes he's verging on parody, but it was funny. So I didn't really care. And I think the film, unlike a lot of body swap uh, films in the past, does some quite clever things with the whole gender swap aspect of the crime and the the idea of him suddenly finding out that he is on one hand not suspected by anyone which is great on the other hand physically weaker which is bad you know and her glorying in this strength that she suddenly finds she has and is like whoa i thought all of that was really well played but there's also like discussions about pronouns and discussions about you know identity and and stuff like that which were clever and much more clued up than a lot of films like this we've seen before it's just I just love it. I love it to death. I thought it was great. Isn't it? It is so much fun. Also, fucking, how long has it been since we've seen how funny Vince Vaughn is? Like, it Mm. feels like great comedic actor who's like, he's been doing Dragged Across Concrete, Brawl in Cell Block 99, not, you know, a laugh a minute film. But he's, you know, he's a comedic actor and he's so fucking good at it. And I think you're absolutely right. When he is playing her in him, as it were, yes, you're right. It's a little bit mannered, but it's so much fun. You know, the the sort of stand up weeing scene. It's first base on paper, but he absolutely sells it. And I think Catherine Newton, again, does exactly the same way. Like that sort of malevolent killer in the sort of high school scenario it's a, it's a lot of fun and i think the thing with this is it's on the one hand like it's it doesn't skimp on the gore at all the prologue no. in particular is really unpleasant but it's properly funny and it's aware and it's witty and i mean this was supposed to come out what last november that's when i mm-hmm. watched it was read the review about then but i've been waiting for this for absolutely ages i'm so glad it's finally arrived because it's it's just yeah. such a fun horror romp but it's witty and it's well executed and it's got all the boxes ticked and these films rarely manage to to sort of hit all those marks so mm-hmm. i think anyone who loved you know happy death day or indeed the sequel will 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 love this too yeah, from the same director, we should make Indeed, clear. Indeed, that's um, right. Yes, it is. Christopher Landon. Uh, yeah, I thought this was terrific. And because of the pandemic, I don't think it did quite as well at the box office as people might have been expecting or hoping. So I don't know whether we're going to get a sequel, but or even the much ballyhooed, freaky, happy death day crossover, huh. which as, I'm, I'm not sure like, Christopher Landon's been ballyhooing that. I think other people have been <laughs> ballyhooing that. But it's certainly something I would like to see. That is not to suggest, of course, that either of these two characters survived the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there were to be a sequel, I am deliberately not giving away any spoilers. But yeah, this is just great fun for me. It's it's funny. It's weird. It's got really inventive kills, which is so rare to do these days, but mm-hmm. also do them in a, in a way that's, that's gory, but kind of fun. Not something you should recreate at home, obviously. <laughs> and it really leans into the, the thing that I think has 
that Hollywood has discovered about Vince Vaughn in this second half of his career, which is, you know, even in those not exactly laugh-a-minute movies like Dragged Across Concrete and Brawl and Cell Block 99, they have both made great mileage out of the fact that he is a massive unit. He yeah. is yeah, six foot five inches tall. He is physically imposing. He could have been in another life a big action star if he'd wanted to go down that route, for example. And so even when he's the teenage girl in the big man's body, it works to get a lot of comedy out of it. And when he is the butcher, he's genuinely hulking and intimidating. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. Great stuff all around. Well done. Well done, everybody involved. Four stars. Four stars there for Freaky. Uh, what a great note on which to end this week's podcast. Hurrah. You see, James, with a good film and not with a disappointing leaden bit of poo-poo. disappointing and leaden. And a bit of poo-poo. <laughs> anyway, on that note, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week where we'll be joined by the person I said would be on this week's podcast, William Shatner. But he will definitely be on next week's podcast. I know because the interview is recorded. It's good that he's on next week's podcast. Why is that? It's better for you. Oh, no. Better for us. (laughs) It's better for them. Amazing. Uh, we'll also be reviewing Black Widow, which Ooh. is, yeah, I don't know. Is that, is that from a franchise we care about, Helen? I don't really know. I, I don't. It doesn't sound familiar, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be nice or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I like spiders. Stuff. Yeah, spiders, they're quite scary. But yes, Black Widow, we'll, we'll be reviewing that on next week's show and talking to the chat. How exciting. But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from my two colleagues of such lethal cunning. We should have three back next week, so get your facts ready, folks. <sighs> Squadcast names, The White Spikes. Goodbye. James Dyer. Bye. See, he doesn't wait to be introduced to say to start speaking <laughs> on the podcast. He doesn't wait to be outroduced before yeah. he says goodbye. This man is a maverick. because I'm being, I'm being sucked back to the past because my tour of duty is now up. You're being what? Never mind. Oh, oh my word. Oh, my word. Uh, it is goodbye from Finterberg is coming. Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. You don't have to be mads to work here as a mads Mikkelsen. I know it's it's closer to meds or mez. Mik- a Danish listener said it's closer to meds or mez Mikkelsen. So, again, correct me if we got that completely wrong. But still, you don't have to be mads to work here. It doesn't work if you pronounce it in a Danish way. So, therefore, that's what I've gone for. Oh, God. <laughs> I always oh, find God. the best jokes are the ones you have to explain and or justify. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> That's my entire oeuvre. <laughs> anyway, I am off to take something off the old bucket list. I'm off to Wimbledon Hurrah. to centre court for the first time ever. And I'm going to see Helen's best boy, Roger Federer. Yeah, you oh. are. A match that will appear in the Tomorrow War 2 at the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah, when he's 67 years old and probably still reaching the quarterfinals of Grand Slams regularly. Anyway, I'm off to Wimbledon. New balls, please. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.